Are you looking for inspiring conversations about faith, film, and life? You're in the right place. Here's the host who knows the right questions to ask, Father Edward Looney. Hey everybody, it's Father Edward Looney here, and I'm bringing you another conversation about faith and about a filmmaker who has written a book. And so I'm very excited to have this conversation today with Aaron Burns. He is the filmmaker behind Birthright Outlaw and Legacy Peak. And uh, he's working on another project about Jimmy Stewart. But today in particular, we're speaking about a book he co-wrote uh, called Praying with St. Patrick. So Aaron, thanks so much for joining me today. Uh, it's, it's fun to be here with you and have enjoyed the conversation and chit chat already. Well, wonderful. Yeah, we had, you know, a lot of people probably realize this, but we do a, a little pre-talk beforehand, kind of just get on the same page with each other. And and so that's what he's referring to there. And uh, this book, Praying with St. Patrick, as we were talking beforehand, you mentioned, I asked, I said, are you a Catholic? I, you know, it's a book about St. Patrick. Of course, we have St. Patrick's Day. Everybody celebrates St. Patrick's Day. But uh, mm -hmm. the answer, your qu answer to that question, are you a Catholic, is... No, I'm I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm an evangelical, so lots of overlap, but not Catholic. So it's it, yeah, it's been a fun journey, you know, telling this story and getting to know him, meeting a lot of other wonderful Catholic brothers and sisters though along the way. Yeah, so I think that's always great, you know, kind of, you know, the Catholic faith offers all of these different saints. And we see this a lot that there will be a saint story. For example, Angel Studios right now is going to be releasing a film about Mother Cabrini or in the Catholic tradition, mm -hmm. we'd call her St. Francis Xavier Cabrini. But Angel Studios really, you know, picked up this film and wanted to tell this story, distribute it in theaters, et cetera, about one of our saints. And I think that's, I, I think it's great that uh, as believers, we're able to look to the holy men and women. You know, I know mm -hmm. as a Catholic, so some of us, uh, we look to the writings of Bonhoeffer, for example, or, you know, sure. so, some of these other individuals. So it's uh, it's great when we can see how the two can kind of talk and get along and everything like that. But tell me, how did you as an evangelical kind of fall in love, if you will, uh, with St. Patrick and want to uh, promote a book and write a book about St. Patrick? Well, it's, it's a great question and a fun one. What's interesting about St. Patrick is he he's from 1500 years ago right so obviously way before martin luther and the reformation and all those things and his he's he's much closer to jesus you know 8400 give or take than he is to any of our time and the faith that you see that he writes about in his two letters is so authentic and so real and it's at the core of the gospel and the core of what christians believe that i think it resonates with everyone today and really that's for me uh i'm irish where i have friends in Ireland who would make fun of me for claiming that, you know, I'm one of the 33 million Americans who have Irish ancestry, I should say. And so growing up, you know, we'd celebrate, oh, it's March 17th, wear your green shirt, or, you know, we're going to have corned beef for dinner, which you come to find out they don't really even eat corned beef in Ireland. But uh, I, to be honest, I didn't know if Patrick was any more historical than Robin Hood or King Arthur. You know, do we know anything about the guy? He lived in the dark ages at some point. And it was a number of years ago when I stumbled across the two letters that he wrote and read a translation of those and was just so moved by his heart, by his testimony of his life, and by the message he left behind for us today. 
So you discover St. Patrick through his writings. And, you know, that's the same with, well, we could go all the way back to the scriptures. You know, we discover the writings right. of St. Paul and in the early church, there are all these different writers. So that that's the great value that the stories of these people live on through their writings and how they've been transmitted throughout time. And it, it's kind of funny you mentioned all the Irish stuff that uh, people kind of associate with St. Patrick's Day, which is really just an American celebration. Uh, I was just at a church the other day, and they had two images of two saints in stained glass window. Uh, one was St. Boniface, I think, and one was St. Patrick. Mm -hmm. St. Boniface was wearing green, and St. Patrick was wearing red, you know? And so in our kind of <laughs> American worldly ways, it, it would be like, well, why isn't it reverse, you know? And so even right. kind of uh, our association of green with St. Patrick, probably not true. Uh, and so I've seen that so often depicted uh, in different images of him uh, in the church. So so you wrote this book, uh, Praying with St. Patrick. You co-wrote it. There's another author. So who's the other author? How did you find them? And uh, why did they agree to, to discover more and pray with St. Patrick themselves? Yes, a, a good friend of mine, Matt Michelotis, uh, he's written 15 books on you know a wide variety of topics and uh, also wrote uh, the screenplay to a movie I directed recently. So as we were conversing and talking about stories and passions of ours, I started telling him about Patrick and his writings and the influence that it had, had on me personally and spiritually. Uh, and he said, well, let's let's write a book about it because he was looking for a next project to tackle. So when he dove into the story of Patrick, he was blown away as well. And just thinking about how to present him, uh, we chose to do it kind of through a format of telling his story over the course of 40 small chapters, and then including lessons from his life and, and applying them and, and bringing them forward to our day-to-day, -day, pulling little sections of his writings, little sections of scripture that went along with it to make it a fun and you know engaging read that by the time you're done, you would have hopefully to learn his story and be encouraged to pray alongside of him. So the letters of St. Patrick, I know there's like a work maybe called the Confessions of St. Patrick too. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that's the same work or not, but are those texts, are they interspersed in there as you're telling his life as well? They are. Yeah. So for any of your readers who are like me of a few years ago, you mind if I just share a, kind of a quick summary of his life? Sure, please. So you, you wind the clocks back 1,500 years, and this is it's the end of the Roman Empire, you know, the beginning of the Dark Ages. And we're not in Ireland. We're in Western Britain or Wales there. And I, uh, Patrick is a 16-year-old boy whose dad's a deacon, his grandpa's a pastor. And Patrick doesn't want anything to do with all this religious stuff. He's just a kid who's not, you know, a rebellious teenager when he gets kidnapped by Irish pirates. And he finds himself a slave tending sheep, you know, being abused by these, these Irish people who'd captured him. And it's there in the mountains of Ireland that the things his dad and his, his grandfather taught him start to awaken in, in his heart. And he starts to pray for the first time and truly to see himself transformed by his relationship with Christ. After seven years as a slave, he miraculously escapes. No one comes back from Ireland once, you, once you've been taken. Miraculously escapes, makes it back home. And as he's trying to settle back into life that, that he left behind, God comes to him uh, in a dream and says, you need to go back and share the love that's transformed you with your former captors. And that launches him on a journey 
uh, very countercultural in his day and his time. Uh, missions, as, as we think of it today, you know, both on, on the Catholic side and as the evangelical side, is the joy of going to your neighbors around the world and sharing the gospel. But at that time, the church and culture were closely tied together, and these are our enemies. Why would we ever go to Ireland and share God's love with these people who are attacking us? And so Patrick, in, in his two letters, makes a defense and an argument from scripture, pulling from the Old and the New Testament, pulling together verses about the purpose of missions and God's heart for the lost and God's heart for these people as he weaves uh, his story into these letters. So uh, he winds up heading over to Ireland and encountering kings and druids and princesses and all these things that he lays out in his story. And there's a little section there that uh, he says, I won't bore you with all the details of the many other adventures that I had. And he says, no, Patrick, please tell us, <laughs> tell us more. <laughs> uh, and then he he goes on to, you know, some other controversies and some other things. Um, so, and out of that, you know, all these legends have sprung, but the heart of who he is is so clearly evident in his works. And just, I'll mention one more thing. He had two, he mentions two prayers that he was praying in his life. One of them is that he would leave a spiritual legacy. He never had children of his own, but he, he prayed, would I leave a spiritual legacy so that the people who come after me um, would continue the, the work that I've started? And God answered that prayer with a resounding yes. And you see what historians call the golden age of saints and scholars in Ireland, where for the next 300 years, it's Irish monasteries and Irish missionaries that are springing up across the island and and traveling across Europe as well. And their evangelic, their their style of evangelism was very relational and very communal, where they'd invite you know people to come and live with them. They'd serve them and share God's love with them. Just a, a beautiful picture of the gospel. Um, and in the course of Patrick's lifetime, we see the human trafficking that he was a victim of basically be wiped out. And we see, you know, an, an end to the child sacrifice that was, uh, you know, what the Celtic and the Druid system had at that time. So just amazing um, story of beauty and transformation. But then he has a second prayer that he said, I, I pray when people hear my name, hear the name of Patrick, that they would think not of me, but they would think of the work that God has done here. And as I was reading that in this, again, hundreds and hundreds of year old letter, I said, that prayer hasn't been answered yet. Because for most people, when they hear Patrick, they think of leprechauns and green beer and parades and rainbows and all these dumb things. And so that was, for me, a, a call to want to share his story, be a part of answering that prayer by sharing you know, what had happened so many years ago to audiences today, to, to the people out there who, like me, had, had never heard and had no idea that we could be encouraged uh, to live with the kind of faith that he had back then. You talk about those two prayers that he had. And then really there's another prayer that he wrote that so many people pray to this very day. It's called the breastplate of St. Patrick and goes That's Christ right. before me, Christ behind me, Christ at my left, mm -hmm. Christ at my right. And it goes on and on. And you can find a, a beautiful sung version, for example, on YouTube. Uh, but mm -hmm. has that been a prayer that you discover? Do you pray it? Is that somehow incorporated into praying with St. Patrick? It, it is. So that's a prayer that we break down into many parts uh, in the, it's just, you know, several minutes to read that, read that prayer, mm -hmm. but we split it down into bite-sized pieces. That is one that I've personally enjoyed praying through. It's a prayer for the morning. It's called a breastplate, like a piece of armor that you would, it says, I, I rise today with a mighty strength. Oh, yeah. I'm calling on the creator of creation. 
And as, as you move yourself back into Patrick's world, he starts to list the foes that stand against him. And he says, I pray against the power of, of wizards and smiths and druids. And you say, wizards and smiths and druids? You know, what, what is this? But you look at the history, and in, in that era, a, a smith, a blacksmith, someone who can control metal and, and wield it, was someone who was thought to have magical powers. And the same uh, with, with you know, druids and wizards, that he literally would go toe-to-toe -to -toe with these people who are wielding the power of Satan. And then he says, I pray in the strength of the stability of earth and the swiftness of wind. And he starts to list these natural things. And he's not spiritualizing nature. It's actually a prayer that flies directly in the face of the culture of Ireland at the time that said nature is unpredictable because it's controlled by evil gods. And at any point, you know, shapeshifters or werewolves or things would come and attack the, the people in Ireland as, as they wrestled this very intense and real spiritual battle. Patrick says, no, I pray to the creator of creation, the God that I stand on is the stability of rock, the one who created these things. And as he, as he walks you through this prayer, you can see its relevance today as we look at the world around us and you know, the the changing winds of politics and science and division and all the things that are around rising above that and praying to the one who is the creator and the controller of the universe and, and walking with his strength. And then he ends, of course, with the famous portion, the most famous portion of the prayer, you know, Christ above me, Christ behind me, Christ before me. And two phrases that just stand out to me, he says, Christ um, in the eye of everyone who sees me, Christ in the ear of everyone who hears me. So mm. that, again, he's praying that people wouldn't think about me. But this, when you meet me, you would be encountering the body of, of Christ through him. So, yeah, that, that's one that we we explore, uh, one of the prayers that we explore uh, in the book as well. Well, definitely. And so there are 40 different meditations uh, as you tell the life of St. Patrick, as we pray through his life with St. Patrick, using his words as well. So you co-wrote the book. So I'm always interested at when you have co-authors. So did you write 20 of them? Did your friend write 20 of them? Did you kind of collaborate on each one together? Like, what's the approach of being a co-writer? Well, I have to say it's much more fun than uh, writing by yourself, especially for me working with my friend, Matt, who's uh, written so many more books than I have. This is the first book that I've had the privilege to write and publish. I've done a lot of screenplays and things like that, but the first book. So uh, kind of to bring you into the, the author world, uh, the first step is to come up with your idea, what you call your pitch for your book. And then you take it to a publisher and say, hey, what do you guys think of this? So we worked with a great uh, editor and publisher team at Tyndale who helped us come up with an idea in a format that they thought would work well. Uh, then we brainstormed out the prayers. We took his life and split it up into all the pieces of uh, son, slave, saint, uh, and, you know, kind of where in his life do we want to move which prayers? And we, we created that structure together and then roughed them out. And then we did split up. Okay, you write these, you write these. And then we went back through and polished each other's things and had a few fun arguments about a few different pieces of it. And just, a, it was a, a very enjoyable experience. And especially for me to get to rely on Matt's uh, wisdom and, you know, experience in this area was, was a fun process that I hope we'll get to repeat. I'm curious, uh, as you learn about St. Patrick, uh, 
people often will go to Ireland. So have you been to Ireland? Have you, uh, there, there's like a mountain called Crow St. Patrick uh, that you can yep. climb up a little bit. You can climb up all the way or just like to the first level. Uh, it's on this mountain that St. Patrick fasted, I believe. So, so ha has a trip to Ireland been a part of your own uh, life or maybe the uh, fruit of uh, writing a book about St. Patrick? Yes, I've spent about six weeks in Ireland over the course of a couple of years. My sister actually lives there. She married a, an Irish, she was on a missions trip and then wound up falling in love with the camp director uh, where she was working. And so yeah. she and her her children now uh, live there. So, um, but, but I've enjoyed getting to go to Ireland several times. Uh, it, it's interesting. They call Ireland a thin place, which I found this word so fascinating that in America, it's a it's spiritually thick that we don't see much. You don't often feel the supernatural presence. Everything feels, you know, parts per million and cut and dried, and you take this antibiotic to cure that disease, and everything's all very physical. But in Ireland, it's been it's been called a thin place that the the gap between the spiritual reality and the earthly reality is thinner than maybe in some other parts of the world. And when you go there, you experience that in some ways. There's so many hills that still have a small druid circle where you can see this is where they they mm -hmm. worshiped and they participated in the system. And then there's just the, the effects of spiritual warfare are so lingering. And we could get into the, you know, more of the, the politics and the history of that, but uh, it is a remarkable place to go. But I'll tell you, as I was there, um, that that weightiness that you feel when you're in Ireland is it can be very intense. And some friends who who are Irish were were telling me, Aaron, God sent us Saint Patrick 1,500 years ago, and what was transformed? Human sacrifice was ended. All these amazing things happened when God sent us that gift of a man who is willing to follow him. And we're praying that God would send us another St. Patrick because we need it today. And that's one question that I, I asked myself and I, I would challenge, you know, readers of, of this book, um, where is your Ireland? Where is God calling you mm. to go and to invest yourself? And who does he want you to love and, and see as your life is transformed by his love, where can you pour yourself out? Because our, our world needs people who have been transformed by God's love to share that with others today. Yeah, Ireland is such a beautiful place. Uh, I've been there myself uh, just once. I, I'd love to go back again. There's a lot of different Catholic places, Catholic history of Ireland. Like there was this monastery called Ballintober, which mm -hmm. uh, it was an Augustinian friary. And basically the mass was outlawed for a number of years. And so they would have like hill watchers to to make sure no one was coming as the mass was being celebrated in the church. So, so they actually claim to have, you know, celebrated the mass at that church every day, even during the time when it was suppressed. And then there are other uh, wonderful saints too. And, and, and you talk, we talked a little bit about the monasteries, how the monks came and evangelized uh, Ireland and a priest friend and I, uh, we went to Ireland. And so as we we're driving around the country, uh, we needed to say mass one day. And so here's the ruins of some Irish monastery. You know, you you walk around, here's the stone, whatnot. And so we were able to celebrate, you know, probably don't know if you're supposed to, but we celebrated a mass there at one of those <laughs> monasteries, you know, because it's just ruins. It's like a national park. So, mm -hmm. um, so we were able to do something 
so many years later after Isn't after it's all been in ruin you know so there's something mm-hmm. special about that or another one I, I think it was right across from crow patrick uh there was a, a monastery in ruins and we prayed our evening prayer and we chanted the pater noster the our father in latin because you know those those monks would have chanted in latin in that church in mm-hmm. that space and so there's just something about like sharing in that long history and legacy of of what the people had done before that before we got there on that particular day i, I so resonate with that and it, to me that was one of the more powerful things reading patrick's letters that sure there might be differences of the some phrases or some things he said or some emphasis that he puts on things that you can always find disagreements with people right but as you read this 1500 year old letter the power of the gospel and the reality the the firmness of earth and the stability of rock of what he believes and what is real for him and god's work in his life and what was accomplished just shine and resonate through time and as, as we sit here today and you, you look around at the state of our country, at the wars, you know, in the world around you, all of the, the the crazy uncertainty, and it feels like things are changing and cycling so fast and trying to keep up with politics and technology and everything else, it can be overwhelming. Just to slow down for a minute and say, no, our, our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his church that he is building started 2,000 years ago. And, you know, there's a key marker at year 400 with Patrick, and then we're continuing, you know, on that journey today to, to be able, as Hebrews 11 talks about, with the the history and legacy of the people who have gone before us, it, it's it's a joy to experience that along with them and to see their faithfulness and be inspired by it. Of the 40 meditations that are included in your book, Praying with St. Patrick, available from Tyndale, uh, which one maybe resonates with you the most or Maybe, you know, I don't know if you've gone back through and you're like, I want to reread this one that we wrote. Mm. So is there one in particular that calls out to you? You know, there's there's a few. Uh, one is on the topic of waiting. So Patrick had several, you know, you look at his life and you say, my goodness, what a success. I want to be like St. Patrick. But then you get down into the weeds of it and you see all of the challenges that he went through from physical suffering. But one of the challenges I think for me, I'm, I love to take action. I love to make a plan and execute it and get going and accomplish things. Uh, And that's very much required in the kind of work I do with film production and things, but there's also seasons of waiting where God gives you a vision for something, gives you a calling. And this is now you wait until I'm ready to execute that. And Patrick had that happen to him multiple times where he's sitting here as a slave. When am I going to get to go home? It's seven years. And then even after he was called to go back to Ireland, it was a season of intense waiting that he knew he needed to go evangelize and to fulfill his his calling and his vocation, but he was required to wait. So that's one I, I think that applies to a lot of us in, in seasons of life. How can we learn to wait well and to wait faithfully? and to still serve and be obedient to all the things we have to do when we know there's something else out there. So that's just one that that resonated with me and I I continue to think about. So you are a filmmaker and there is one movie I know of about St. Patrick. I I don't think it's the, the best done film, you know? So I'm wondering, you know, as you've written this book, thought about his life, is there any uh, idea maybe to to write a screenplay, to 
put his life out there for for a wider audience, just like you know Angel Studios did with Cabrini. Or uh, it, it, could there be a Patrick? I I think there could. It's it's a, an idea that we've been thinking about for a while. Would love to be able to tell a story for a broader audience. It's it's such a beautiful story, and it has all the things I love. Of it's a timeless adventure story with a gospel heart. So yeah, something we've been been talking about. Well, that's wonderful. I hope that it'll come to fruition. Uh, as Catholics, we believe the saints pray for us. So I'll hope St. Saint Patrick prays for that uh, particular project so that uh, his story and what he did for the Lord might be better known. Uh, do you have any other projects that you are working on, Aaron? Yes. So the a project we just announced recently uh, is a, biograph a, a biopic about the life of Jimmy Stewart. So everyone knows him as the actor who played in It's a Wonderful Life and Mr. Smith Goes to Washington and some of those stories. Uh, but similar to how I encountered Patrick, I met Jimmy Stewart's behind the scene uh, story a number of years ago, reading an article about him. I had no idea uh, his history from, from going from a, you know the top of his game celebrity to enlisting to serve his country in World War II and being a squadron commander flying bombers uh, over, over Germany. And then coming home, a broken man with, you know, PTSD after the war and uh, nowhere to turn to until his other, his buddy, Frank Capra came and said, Hey, I'd like you to play a suicidal father in a Christmas movie about an angel. <laughs> and he said, what? <laughs> and so, you know, their collaboration uh, becomes what we know today is it's a wonderful life. So that's a story I've been working with uh, Jimmy Stewart's daughter uh, to craft that script and to, to move that into production. Um, and just a beautiful, beautiful story of um, even the the power of a father's prayer. And you see Jimmy's dad was a strong man of faith who, as he was heading off to the war, he gave him a copy of Psalm 91 hmm. and said, I'll be praying for you. I, I love you and trusting God's providence to bring you back safely afterwards. And that he kept that cop, his dad's letter and Psalm 91 in his uh flight jacket you know as he's oh. at 40 degrees below zero you know thirty thousand feet above germany fighting the luftwaffe uh, and he came home safely uh, and, and he talks uh, jimmy in, in an article he wrote talks about um dealing with with some of the challenges of, of reintegrating after the war and the scene where he's praying in martini's bar if, if you remember from it's a wonderful life uh, he says you know dear god i'm not much of a praying man but please uh, and he breaks down and it's this very, very intense moment in the film. Jimmy said he wasn't in the script. He wasn't supposed to cry. It wasn't supposed to be nearly as intense. But in that moment, the weight of the world and the weight of the, the brokenness of America and his own soul and all these pieces came crashing down on him and the power of God's love flooded his heart. And he said that became a real prayer for him and mm. launched kind of a new season in his life where he, you know, wound up meeting his wife and, uh, you know, was married to her for 45 years and raised um, two, uh, four beautiful children and really came to embody the man that he portrayed on screen. So just a, a beautiful story that was has been fun to get to work with um, Kelly and her family uh, to start to bring that to life. So, yeah, excited for that as a, as a next project. Yeah, we'll be looking for that. And uh, of course, you know, that's one of those classic Christmas movies that people always watch. And and uh, yep. people have reflected about that movie and what it means uh, for many years. So I think getting to know who Jimmy Stewart is, uh, the iconic figure there, uh, is very, very 
worthwhile. Uh, and I think there will be a captive audience for that. So, well, we've been talking uh, with Aaron Burns today about praying with St. Patrick. Uh, it's available now. You can buy it wherever you buy your books. And uh, if people want to learn more about that book or your work, how could they do that, Aaron? Uh, sure, you could visit our website. It's burnsco.us um, or check us out on uh, Burns & Co. Productions on our Facebook page. And we've oh. got all everything about our films and all the all the content that we create. So for me and my company, we've got a, a decent crew. Uh, our passion is telling timeless stories of faith, family, and adventure. So that's that's what we aspire to to bring to people. And they're movies that I want to watch with my kids and stories that I want my, my kids yeah. to learn about and enjoy together with me. So that's our heart and our passion. Yeah, that's wonderful. I'll uh, be sure to look at the other films you've done and see if there's any out there that I might want to take in and, and enjoy as well. So thanks so much, Aaron, for sharing about uh, St. Patrick and how you came to know him and now how we can pray with him as well. So thanks so much for your time today. Thank you so much. If you liked today's episode, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you're listening. And don't forget to stay up to date with what Father Edward is doing by following him on Facebook, X, or Instagram at the handle at FREdwardLooney. Thanks for listening, and please join Father Edward again next time for another inspiring conversation.